you are on the line. Live on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Tuesday, March 29th, just a couple more days in March. But blessing us with his presence in hour number one, it's Christian Clemente in the studio with us. Christian, welcome in. Oh, Jacob, you're way too kind. You're way too kind. Hey, that's all right. That's what I'm here for. Noah, you were gone yesterday. You are now back today. How was your trip to Silicaga, and how are you doing today, my friend? Silicaga's great, man. One of my favorite places on the planet. I love Silicaga. I had a good time yesterday. Good deal. Well, we had a good show yesterday. It was just me in here. We had a couple guests, but it was a good show. Had a great day. But today, we have a great lineup for everybody today here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. If you want to call in, give us your opinion about anything going on in the sporting world. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Phone lines are open all day long, all two hours. We want to hear from you right here on the show. But to start out, the news coming out of Auburn basketball today. Another transfer has hit the portal out of Auburn basketball. It is Preston Cook, who... Obviously did not get a lot of playing time. He was a scholarship player for this Auburn team. So it has a little bit of significance. He's an Auburn high school kid, Auburn kid. He's an Auburn kid that had a senior day. He was a minimal impact on this team, but he is transferring out of the program, guys. I think it's great for Preston Cook that he's going to go somewhere, hopefully where he's going to get some playing time. But the reality was he had graduated. He was leaving anyway. And so... We knew that this was a spot. This was already included in my future projections for the depth chart for this program, that this was a scholarship freeing up. I was yeah. shocked to see the transfer portal because he's a graduate transfer. That's what he is. Yeah, I didn't even really realize it was an option. He could transfer. I just kind of brushed it off. And You thought he was done. done. You thought he was going into the real world. Yeah, I thought he was done. But, hey, it's good for him. Maybe he goes to a spot like a Troy or a North Alabama or wherever. I don't know where he'll end up. But get some more playing time and get some more experience and – kind of move on um, and it's a scholarship open for Auburn which like you said no I mean I was expecting it next year so well and, and like you guys said the scholarship had already been planned to be open and Auburn has obviously been on the trail trying to fulfill some openings this is the second player to now transfer out of Auburn so far Devin Cambridge is in the portal right now and now Preston Cook is also in the portal for Auburn basketball but I thought it was, you know, it's still significant news. Another, the scholarship is now open officially. He was going to be gone whether he, I didn't, again, I guess he could have came back if he wanted well, that's what to I was talking because to, of COVID. I was talking to Trevor about it. He could have come back, I guess. I didn't think it was an option for him to come back. I don't think he was probably going to come back, but maybe he had that extra year and just decided, why not go play somewhere else? Maybe become a starter somewhere because the guy is good, right? He can play basketball. He's a scholarship player for Auburn. He's got some skill. So maybe he goes somewhere else and decides to try to be a starter and, and you know, be a role player somewhere. I think that's definitely what's on the docket, like Christian said, a North Alabama or maybe not a Jacksonville State. I'm trying to think. Like a North Alabama is probably in that wheelhouse, a small conference Division One basketball team. And I wish him the best because he's a good kid. I watched him play high school basketball 
that was actually one of the first years that I got into radio. I was still in college at the time. I got to do some color for that Auburn High basketball team. It was a fun year. I got to see him play among some other players. I got to see Justin Ross do a windmill dunk in live game action. That was fun. Um, he didn't play for Auburn. Y'all know that. He played for Central. That guy could jump out of a jump. That's but, pretty good for high school ball. But this is about Preston Cook. And Preston Cook was a good basketball player. And it's been really cool to see him walk on at Auburn, do what he's done at Auburn, earn a scholarship, play for his hometown team, and contribute and help get these guys ready on a game-to-game basis because he's running scout team every time, right? And he's helping this team get better. And those guys don't get enough love. And just a really awesome story to see a hometown player come and play for Auburn. He'll be remembered locally. And, and he earned a scholarship. You know, a lot of guys in his in his skill set and his position can go and play for these types of schools, but they don't, you know, they don't get that full scholarship. He was able to get that, had his senior day this year. Uh, so he was able to do that as well. Again, just a great story. But I think the big story here is that it's now officially that this scholarship position is open and Christian, in your opinion, we've seen Auburn go after some guys already in the portal and recruiting and other things, but where does Auburn go, not just to replace this scholarship, but the ones that we already know are going to be off of this team, where do they go to fill those holes right now? Yeah, well, I think the biggest one um, that you're going to see here pop within the next couple of days would be Yoan Traore. Um, the- Is it Trior? I've heard Trior from some people for the last name. I've heard We've heard both, and I... I I hate to be this way, but we don't know which one it is. I, I don't know the last name. I know the first name is Yoan. I don't know the it last name. It looks like Traore, so I would assume that's – but again. Well, but, other players with the same last name spelt that way definitely have been pronounced Traore. But I did hear through the grapevine that it may be Trior. Hmm. Interesting. But anyway. Uh, either way, looks like Auburn is in a great spot to land him. You know, the former LSU commit um, could play the four, but probably more of a five in BP system, a stretch five. Um former LSU commit decommitted because of everything that went on over there um, and now Auburn is in a fantastic spot to land him wait what happened over there <laughs> just a couple things just a couple offers um, but <laughs> strong offers <laughs> yes. if you will um, but and then you're also looking at um, Auburn's interested in two of the other LSU decommits um, Marvel Allen and Julian Phillips I think Julian Phillips is a little bit more um, of who Auburn is interested in and that's kind of a Um, he's a three slash four Um, I think Tennessee kind of leads there but Auburn's certainly in the mix Um, portal wise um, there was the um, guard that transferred out of LSU whose name is escaping me and then also the guard Xavier Pinson no not Xavier Pinson there's Um, another guard that's right I do remember I should know this name but I don't off the top of my head and then there's the South Carolina guard um, that Auburn is also interested in there as well Eric Stevenson yes Um, and so Auburn's baller I don't know if I would say Auburn is actively pursuing them, but Auburn is In feeling, feeling things out there. Um, the thing with the portal, especially um, in basketball, where you have a lot less scholarships than football, is you have to be very careful. You can't just see one kid instantly become attracted to them and just go out and get them because you never know who's going to enter the portal down the line. I mean, the tournament is still going on. Like We haven't even gotten close to roster overhauls for most of these teams. So you can't just jump on someone instantly. You have to be careful. You have to think about what you need, um, what you need for next year's team um, in terms of guys leaving, guys coming back and whatnot, because I do think there is a chance. um, A guy like a Walker Kessler, I think there's a chance he could come back still. Uh, So you kind of have to figure things out a little bit, and you you have to be careful how you attack the portal in basketball especially. 
Well, I've mentioned it on here before. I've had I had the the really good opportunity to speak with Stephen Pearl about the transfer portal itself and their and Auburn basketball's process that they go through when looking at the transfer portal. He says that they use Ken Palm a lot. He is he's one of the big guys. Uh, Stephen Pearl is when it comes to the portal. They look at numbers and he said they can eliminate so many different players from so many different places just based off of their different numbers and different categories. He didn't go in specifics and say which exactly ones, but he talked about the process that they use in the transfer portal and how if the, if some players, no matter how good they are, how big of name they are, whatever, whatever school they're coming from, he talked about that for Auburn, and I'm sure it's this way for a lot of different schools as well, that if you don't fit the numbers in their system just off of the advanced stats, they're not even going to reach out to you. They're not even going to talk to you because they know based off of those numbers, more likely than not, you will not work in Auburn's system and how they run it. I thought that was really interesting how they use the transfer portal, especially for Auburn basketball and especially for basketball in general because of the limited number of spots on a team. It's not like football where you have so many more players on a roster basketball is extremely limited obviously to what the amount of players that they can go after and listening to Stephen Pearl talk about again the how they break down who they go after it, it was really really interesting to, to hear him speak about the metrics that they use the the film that they use how they reach out to people a lot of times that these guys they had already talked to in their original high school recruiting before they went and committed somewhere else and now they still have that relationship so I thought that was really interesting hearing him talk about how Auburn uses the transfer portal for basketball but the biggest one that stuck out to me was how they use numbers and advanced metric stats and that that is a major decision on whether they even reach out to the guy or not yeah I definitely think that's interesting it also kind of makes sense why you would see like a Wendell Green came here he definitely like when you watched his Eastern Kentucky film last year when he was in the portal, it's like, yeah, this guy fits Auburn's system. This guy looks like an Auburn point guard. And for most of the season, he was. Um, he kind of tailed off there a little bit um, at points, but he definitely looked like an Auburn point guard. I definitely think the way, and I, and I like what you said about how you kind of have to slow play it a little bit in the transfer portal. How much do you think Walker Kessler's decision affects Yoan Traore? Uh. I think it could impact it a little bit, but also, I don't know, man. I, I think it's probably close to, it, it honestly might be close to 50-50 in terms of Walker coming back or leaving, but all it takes is one team saying, hey, we'll pick you in the top 20, top 25, and then he's gone. And I mean, as much as Auburn fans would love Walker to come back, if you're going to be a top 20 pick. I mean, he's got to go through the draft process anyway, right? You would think so, yeah. Like, he's got to put his name in just to... And with go to the combine and yeah. do all of those things. And with basketball now, you can do that, right? You can yeah. go and do all yeah. of that, but still come back if you decide. That's correct, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Look, right. at the end of the day, I I expect Yoan Traore to commit to Auburn probably within the next couple of days here, and Walker's decision probably shouldn't have any impact on that. That would be hype. Yeah, and that'd be could, that'd be big. He could play the four too. I don't think he is a four in Bruce's system because the four, like Bruce calls it, a big guard. Got to be able to shoot it yeah. still. Well, Yoan can, but like Jabari was a big guard. Jalen Williams, I would consider a big guard. Yoan, I don't know if he has the handles quite enough to be a big guard. But did Jabari have the handles? He could at least bring the ball up the floor. 
there were at times he he really struggled to get, especially against pressure as well. He struggled to bring the ball up the floor. Not he, but he had the ball that. skills to get the ball out of his hands to somebody that could bring true, it up the floor. True. I mean, that, Jabari Smith true. was definitely the better inbounder option than Walker Kessler. Because if you have Walker Kessler inbound out of the press, yeah, he's not putting it on the floor. There is no, there is less hope, I think, of you getting the ball across <laughs> half court. And you also have to take into account not just ball handling. Like I said, it's there's another part to these handles that Christian's talking about. It's also the passing ability to be able to actually make accurate passes under pressure. And I do not think Walker Kessler could do that in the press. And so that's why Jabari is kind of viewed as he's better with the basketball in his hands. He's got better ball skills than most traditional players that play the four do yeah i agree but if if somebody like traore comes in and can do that and can have just as good if not better ball handling skills than jabari i think at the four or the five would be a huge step for auburn and a huge impact player for auburn to come in and what i would like to see is when these guys come in obviously auburn is still developing really well and, and developing players as they get better through their auburn career but even more i would like to see that i would like to see players Obviously, Auburn is at the level now in recruiting and college basketball where they are getting guys, they're getting the top guys in the country, right? They're getting guys who can go and play just about anywhere they want to go. And now Auburn is getting these top-tier athletes, but then you've got to take them to the next level before they go to the NBA to get better. Because look at look at it this way, Jabari and Walker, whether they go or stay this season, they're going to go to the NBA eventually. Jabari is going to go, obviously. But they're going to go to the NBA and get developed to such a high level that they they can't even process it right now they're going to go and be so good and develop so much in the league that i would like to see that begin a little bit more in college especially at auburn because auburn's getting such good athletes right now make them a little better because obviously there's a difference in high school and college ball make them a little bit better and auburn can use these athletes and these superstars that they're now recruiting and just be on an undeniable unbelievable level coming up yeah i think you're i think they're doing that pretty well though like you look at a guy like isaac okoro who came in rated in like the 30s or the 40s i know in our rivals rankings somewhere in there and he was a top what was he the fifth overall pick um so you're definitely seeing that development and i think even just not even necessarily pro players but you see year-to-year development you see guys like jalen williams improve over time um you didn't see it this year, obviously, but from his freshman to his sophomore year, you saw Alan Flanagan progress a lot. Um, even Devin Cambridge, to an extent, his shooting got worse, yes, but he improved as a player all around. Um, so I definitely do think you're seeing that development, though. Kind of veering to still talking in the NBA realm with some of these Auburn players. Did you all see the news about Jared Harper today? I did not. Did, did you see that, yeah. Signed a two-way contract. Christian, you saw it. Shine some light on this. What does this mean for people out there that maybe don't understand what a two-way contract is for the NBA, and will Jared Harper actually see legitimate playing time for the first time in his NBA career? Uh, I don't know if he'll see legitimate playing time because I don't know the Pelicans that well. Um, I think they're a little thin at guard right now. They had actually. an open guard spot. Okay, so yeah. yeah, so that makes sense. Um, isn't a two-way deal they can kind of bounce back and forth between the um, between the G League and the NBA? Um, I do want to point out. He appeared in two games for the Pelicans this year, averaging five minutes per game across those two contests. He did average three and a half points and one and a half assists in five minutes. That's peak efficiency, I'm not going to lie. I mean, you <laughs> contributed nearly two buckets on average across a five-minute span. I'll take that. The guy's a baller. I mean, the only thing that is holding him back, that's always held him back, is his height, right? That's the thing that's always gotten him, and especially in the NBA, I understand, with everybody being so 
tall now that is the thing that has held jared harper back i hope he gets his opportunity i had not seen that so i'm glad well, i'm glad you brought that up for the squadron so yeah if you guys yeah. didn't know that, that i did i did know that yeah i did know that i just meant for the listeners out there that oh people yeah want to go see a former auburn player I mean, well plays for the squadron in birmingham well i'm now, gonna not be honest, anymore i was about to say i hope <laughs> he, he does but hope he doesn't have to go i hope he gets a shot in the nba because the guy can ball he can shoot he can play make he can finish at the rim will he struggle against the height maybe but maybe not he may be able to be crafty enough and learn you know to dish the ball out more and do those type of things i hope he gets his shot and like you were saying the two-way contract they can kind of bounce back and forth between the nba level of the pelicans and then their g league team but if they call him up i hope he gets his shot because the dude is he's an unbelievable talent he's an unbelievable play speaking of auburn in the nba did you see the highlight reel last night of isaac okoro going at chumo kiki Iceman. Awesome. It was so cool to see those two going at it one-on-one. It was the Cavs versus the Magic, obviously. Going at it. Well, you know No offense I mean. to Chuma, but yeah. Okoro's a beast. Yeah, Okoro <laughs> is on another level. But how cool is it to see that Auburn basketball has reached that level where we can see two Auburn players go one-on-one in an NBA game on an, on any given night right now, right? And that's so cool. I just think that's cool. It's pretty much only if the Magic and the Cavs play right now, but that will change. Well, that will change this year. It's coming. That's what I that's what I was alluding to. It's coming. Like we're yeah. we are breaking through that ice. Does Sharif where... play at all? He plays in the G League. He's been really good for them in the G League. Um, yeah. but the Hawks just have a lot of guards. And and one of the best guards yeah, he that got, is too. He at literally his position. he got drafted and he's behind the exact same player as him. But just I don't know level. if I would say the exact same player just because Trey Young has three-point shooting that only Sharif Cooper could dream of, I think. Yeah, fair enough. But, I mean... A little bit, yeah. A little yeah. bit. I mean, he's... A, I know that was harsh, but he is a... Yeah. Trey Young is yeah. little Steph Curry right now. Let's just be real. But Sharif can shoot. He can shoot the ball. I just, are we talking about the same Sharif Cooper? I just don't like Trey Young, so I'm a little biased <laughs> in this conversation. That's fair. Here. You are a Bucks fan. Yeah. Oh, you're a Bucks you fan. Like, okay. You like... Pass down low, turn around, drop step, dunk over somebody. Yes. <laughs> I'm here for it, man. Hey, that's efficient Giannis basketball, Giannis Antetokounmpo too. on 2K is unfair, bro. You can't <laughs> yeah. guard it. He dunks on everybody. That's just efficient basketball. You can't argue with yeah, that. Exactly. That's efficient basketball. I'll give you credit. But no, the point I was trying to make was I understand there's only a few Auburn players in the league right now, but we're hitting the point where Auburn should consistently start putting guys yeah. into the NBA. We are going to see this more and more and more. I mean, I th- I think you'll see Sharif break into the league within the next two years or so, maybe, um, as some of the older or just backup Hawks guards depart, um, and they'll move him in. And then Jabari obviously will be in the league next year. Walker, if not next year, the year after, um, he'll be in the league. So you're definitely going to see a lot of Auburn guys in the NBA here pretty soon. His exactly. three-point percentage went up. Sharif shooting 34% not in bad. the G League in the NBA games he's played in this year whopping 17 percent but he is shooting 34 percent the g league 41 percent for the field i mean that's not great for a guard in the nba and he's doing that in the g league so those definitely need to come up if he wants to play but i think he's averaging 16 and yeah he's averaging 15.6 points per game 7.1 assists per game and 4.1 rebounds i mean that's serviceable uh you'd like to see those numbers coming on I mean, to, to put that in perspective jared harper's averaging a whole nother six points per game than sharif cooper and he's averaging the same amount of assists and jared harper can't even get into the league and they're about the same height kind of the same player in a lot of ways except harper's got a much better shot i just think sharif's draft location it might have been better i mean looking back i mean i know it's painful to say but sharif's draft location definitely makes it think with nil and everything it might have been good to come back 
Probably, yeah. I think he just got some bad word on where he was going to go in the draft. Because, I, I mean, that that's got to be it, I think. I, it may be something else, but he was definitely thinking he was going higher, was going to get a lot more we money. We all did. We all thought everybody he was a first did. rounder. And Every then, mock draft had him in the first round. And I understand I said that Trey Young and Sharif are the exact same. They're not, but they're pretty similar. Like, that's one of the worst point guards you can go behind if you're Sharif Cooper because of the similar play style that he has of Trey Young there in Atlanta. Let's take a break. We'll come back, talk about Auburn basketball winning some awards on the national stage today. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Christian Clemente is in the, in the house, in the studio with us for hour number one. We've been talking about Auburn basketball. The news today was Preston Cook is in the transfer portal for Auburn. Another scholarship has now opened up for the Tigers. But some news about some awards that Auburn basketball players have won this afternoon. The National Association of Basketball Coaches Awards. Jabari Smith is your National Freshman of the Year. Shocker, I know. And Walker Kessler wins the National Defensive Player of the Year. Your thoughts on that, gentlemen? Of course, Jabari, Freshman of the Year again, and Walker Kessler, Defensive Player of the Year. I'm going to double your question with another question. Are these like the legit awards, or are there awards that mean more than this, right? Like, aren't there other college basketball awards that actually have a name next to it that are I like, think, yeah, these mean more? Yeah, like the Naismith. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and then the, you know, there's the Hakeem Olajuwon Award, and there's like another Defensive Player of the yeah, Year award. Yeah, I think this is like, it's like the coach's poll, kind of, I think. In, I'm happy a, for him, but still, the, I, I was just curious. No, I wasn't, I wasn't calling you out. I was, I was legit wondering, because I know there are a bajillion awards in basketball. And I wanted to know where these range these, compared to the big boys. Well, these are the coaches. Like the coaches okay. vote, the coaches take their, you know, their ballot or whatever, and they have voted to put Jabari as a freshman of the year, Walker Kessler the as a SIDs defensive player. SIDs voted. <laughs> Shout out to all the SIDs out there. Are you <laughs> wrong? It's true. Eh, probably not. No, I'm not wrong. The coaches don't vote. Christian, your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. Walker Kessler was the best defensive player in college basketball. Um, just his impact not only blocking and altering shots, but just how teams had to adapt and change to him um, in terms of, I mean, teams were scared to go at him. You saw UConn go at him, and it worked for UConn, to their credit. Sonogo won that matchup. And then you saw, I mean, a team like Miami basically like pulled him out, and they brought him out to the three-point line, and they made him a non-factor that way. But most teams could not figure out Walker Kessler. So it makes sense. He's the defense player of the year. I mean, he blocked his way into the record book. He had triple doubles with blocks, almost unheard of. Um, and then Jabari Smith, pretty clearly freshman of the year. I, I don't think it's particularly close. Maybe Chet Holmgren, but I would still give it to Jabari over him. I would go with Jabari over any other freshman in college basketball this year. Um, and I think that's why he's going to end up being the top pick. I will say the more and more that Paolo Bancaro plays in this NCAA tournament, the more and more I become – attracted to him as an nba prospect potentially for number one overall yeah, i am number I, one in like the espn mock draft yesterday I think. and and that's natural you know the more that you play in march and i don't want auburn fans to turn on me i i, I think the longer and longer you play the more eyeballs are on you in this stage that type of publicity is going to help you climb up but i will say something i do like about bancaro and maybe i like a little bit more than jabari general ball handling i think is better 
with Bancaro than with Jabari Smith. And Bancaro has a little bit more in the way of being able to get to the rim and finish and create his own shot inside the arc. Um, now, Bancaro's not nearly the three-point shooter that I think Jabari Smith is, so kind of weigh that out. And I think you can develop some of those things in Jabari that Bancaro has. I think you can develop some of those things in Jabari. What if Bancaro just ends up becoming Kevin Knox in the NBA, right? Like, I see a lot of similarities there. What if Bancaro gets the league and can't shoot the three at all? All of a sudden, he becomes a non-factor, all right? That, that, that legit could happen. Um, and look at what's happened to Kevin Knox. New York Knicks don't want him anymore, right? And so I, I think Bancaro's physicality – and his athleticism is really attractive. He's filled out a little bit more than Jabari, but Jabari's tools may translate better to the league. Well, I, I talked about it yesterday on the show. You bring up a good point that Bancaro is is moving in the in the draft in the draft, you know, predictions because draft boards. The draft boards, yeah. <laughs> because he's playing longer in March Madness. He's playing longer. He has more eyes on him. He's getting to the bigger stage in college basketball, and he's able to showcase his skills longer. And Jabari... And to be fair, in the big games, Bancaro's shown up. And he's, he's played really well. No hate years. against Jabari, but I'm going to be real. He's, been ha- he's had some inefficient performances in Auburn's losses this year, whereas Bancaro's really been steadily present, I would say, in all of Duke's games this how, year. How old is Bancaro? Because I know Jabari is a year younger than Chet. Um I, I just don't know how old Bancaro is. I would assume Jabari's probably younger than him, too. Probably so. I don't know how old he is. But to the point again... 19. Okay, so, Jabari, so yeah, yeah. Jabari's 18, right? Still yeah. still 18. So, yeah, Bancaro being able to play now in the Final Four, potentially a national championship game, if he can play well again in the, this weekend in these two games, then even just in the Final Four, even if they lose, I think he has his extra few games in the tournament that he has played, showed up and played out for Duke... I think it's really it may have taken him over Jabari in the draft boards for the number one overall pick. Jabari, they're just different players. I think Bancaro can put the ball on the floor better and create his own shot at the rim better. Jabari, obviously the better shooter, the better pure shooter. One of these guys is two hundred and fifty pounds. Exactly. You know? They're just different. <laughs> it doesn't look like it, but he is. They're just different style of players. And it just depends. Again, depends on what the teams are looking for. That's you know, that's how that's the story in any draft, whether it's what professional league it is, that's just, it just depends on what the team is looking for. Are you looking for a shooter who creates his own shot from the mid-range or three-point shot? Or are you looking for a guy that puts the ball on the floor and is going to finish at the rim and get fouled? It just depends. I think Jabari Smith probably fits NBA's play style a little bit more right now. I mean, because the comparison that we've kind of said all along is he looks kind of like a young Kevin Durant a little bit. Um so I would say Jabari Smith fits I don't disagree with that. I heard a better comparison than KD that I really liked that I can't remember right now. Some people have said Giannis, but no. I, I've seen Giannis, but he is not. No. I, like, no I like the KD comparison better than Giannis. Yeah. Coming out of coming out of college. And I will say this, by the time the next basketball season starts, Bancaro will be 20. So he is a little older. Okay. Let's take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. 30 minutes in. If you want to give us a call about anything on your mind in the sporting world, we want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Phone lines are open all day long here from 
from now until 4 o'clock when we head off the air. So give us a call, 334-321-1390, or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Christian Clemente has joined us for hour number one. We're 30 minutes in, so we appreciate him joining us here on the show in the studio. We've been talking some Auburn basketball. Let's transition now into Auburn football and some spring practice. A-Day is coming up for the Tigers. But the word on the street right now, Christian, is that injuries, the injury bug has creeped its way into the Auburn football facility. What can you tell us? Yeah, uh, Auburn's a little thin at some spots, um, and some of those are kind of maintenance things where Auburn decided it was a good opportunity now to you know have a player have surgery or just be precautious with them. But they're definitely a little thin. You know, quarterback Zach Calzada um, is being held out of live plays. He is able to practice and do all the drills. Um, and like during the scrimmage that we got to see on Saturday, he was behind every quarterback as they went live, kind of taking a mental rep. Um, but they're just being careful with him because of that left shoulder issue. But like I said, he's still able to throw it. Um, running back, you know, Jarquez Hunter ended up having what Brian Harson described as a cleanup. Um, so it sounded like a minor procedure was done on his knee or on his leg. Um, and he'll be out for eight to ten weeks. Um, so just being kind of careful there. And they should, you know, they'll have him back for fall camp and should be good to go. Wide receiver-wise, uh, Javarius Johnson was out for like probably a week of spring practice. He's back now. He practiced yesterday um, and he was good to go. He was a full go um, after a hamstring issue. JJ Evans um, also had a cleanup, Brian Harson said, which I feel like he's been injured most of his Auburn career. Um, I don't think we've ever seen him on the field, actually. I think he came in hurt. I think his last year of high school football, he was hurt. Okay. Well, like so off and on. Okay. Um, tight end, I think they've been good. Um, yeah, they've been good at tight end. The offensive line, um, Brandon Council had a procedure done before spring practice, um, so he's missing it. He'll be back in the summer. Um, Austin Troxel is being held out out of precaution, um, but he's still going through some things. Um, and same with Nick Brahms there. So that's kind of on the offense. Definitely dinged up a little bit there. Um, defensive line, Jeffrey Embo was out, or he's missing spring practice because of a shoulder surgery, but that was known. Um, trying to think here linebacker Owen Papo is missing spring also known that was a really good call for Auburn just to have the procedure happen get it over with try and get him fully healthy because he tried to battle that injury last year and he was just clearly not the same player um back in the secondary you've got Zion Puckett who's going through practice in a non-contact jersey so he's able to practice but not going live and stuff so overall Auburn's definitely a little bit dinged up but probably a little better now than in fall camp. So if they're able to get some of these guys healthy uh, moving forward, that's good. Um, and it's also a good showcase too of what this team needs and good, like going into the depth chart um, and what this team needs in the transfer portal is depth because they are severely lacking in depth. Oh, I'm going to be honest. That's a lot more than what I wanted to hear when it comes to what's going on injury-wise on the team. But I'm glad you bring up the point about the good sides of it. So I wanted to ask you, Obviously, injuries, whether it is you know from practice or surgeries or whatever it is, there's a lot of guys in and out of the rotation right now for Auburn football. The bad news and the bad things are, are obvious. The impacts of not having your star guys, your starters out there, getting reps and getting, you know, getting the rotation and all of that. But what are the good things about this? You, you alluded to it a little bit, but I'd like you to, to, to go on to that a little bit more if you can. The good thing, obviously it's not good that guys are injured or not playing, but what does that lead to for Auburn? Yeah, I mean, I think it's A, better that it happens now for Auburn than later on. And granted, it still, still could happen later on. Um, 
we're kind of getting some of these things out of the way now, getting guys healthier now. Um, and then it's showcasing what you need. Like I said, you need depth. You need to go out and get guys in different spots of the portal. But it's also an opportunity for younger guys um, and even some talented walk-ons to an extent as well to kind of showcase their talent. Um, you've seen like in the secondary, um, Caleb Wooden has made a ton of plays. He's gotten a ton of praise from coaches this spring. Um, and, I mean, he was a guy that was kind of written off by some fans as, uh, you know, that was a courtesy signing, just signing him so his brother will stay another year. No, he's looked really good. Like he can legitimately compete for a starting safety spot or playing in the rotation there at nickel or safety or whatever. Um, a guy like J.D. Rim, um, an early enrollee in the secondary. Um, Auburn doesn't have some of their corners on campus yet, um, and he's really sh shined as well. Coaches have really pointed him out. Um, so it's been a good opportunity for some of these other guys um, to kind of make an impact and prove kind of what they're able to do. And then also um, as well, we saw yesterday for the first time um, Landon Kane moved over to wide receiver um, and was working drills there. He had been pretty much exclusively working with the tight ends so far this spring, but because Auburn's thin at wide receiver and also part of that kind of that plan for Landon to split time at wide receiver and tight end a little bit, he did start doing that yesterday. Um, so it, it, it kind of forces Auburn to experiment a little bit, which is not necessarily a bad thing. You can find some good things out of that. You know, you bring up the cross training. I was actually about to ask you about that because you bring up the cross training and Landon King, how does he joining the wide receivers change your opinion of the wide receiver room? Because we all know that guy's got all the talent in the world. Yeah, I mean, I think it adds a totally different player to the wide receiver room. Kind it's of like extent. gaining a recruit in my mind because I, I think he's I think he's buried in the tight end room. I think it's a waste to, to have him as the fourth tight end like they did last year. Let's play the guy wide receiver. Yeah. He can be a big X or a big slot guy. Yeah, he can certainly make an impact. He's a really good player. Um, like what you said, I mean, he's taller than every wide receiver they have, and he's – I think he's – maybe he might be the heaviest player too, but he's still very fast. Like it's not like he's slow out there. So he's kind of a jump ball guy. Like you can throw a jump ball to him and he can win it, which Auburn doesn't particularly have a lot of those guys. Certainly not right now. I mean, Shedrick maybe. Um, I think Camden Brown can be that guy, but he's not here yet. So I get Seth William vibes with Camden Brown. Just I like, watching yeah. his high school film. Yeah. I like Camden Brown a lot. Yeah, I think he could be really good, and I think he will need to be really good this year. Um, but Let's just be real. Somebody's going to have to be really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. everybody knows the wide receiver room is is thin right now. And you, Christian, in your mind, I guess, you know, you already started talking about it a little bit, but who are you looking for in the receiver room to, to be that guy if Auburn has one right now? I mean, it's probably Shedrick Jackson. Um, he's definitely the leader of that room, definitely wide receiver one. But I really like what I'm seeing out of Tavares Dawson. He looks like just a totally different player out there. Watching, like, last fall or last um, – I don't know if he was here last spring. I don't remember if he was an early enrollee or not. But the last time I saw him in practice, he did not look this good. He did not look this comfortable um, being out there. He looks like a playmaker, a guy that's going to play a lot this fall and make an impact. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about Malcolm Johnson Jr. as well. Um, Auburn's coaches feel pretty good about him. Um, and they also feel like they can do a lot more with Javarius Johnson. He can be a lot more of an impact player this year, especially if he's able to stay healthy. Um, so Shedrick's probably your wide receiver one, but I think it's going to be kind of wide receiver by committee. You're going to see other guys, Tavarish, Malcolm, Javarius, Jay Fair. You're going to see the two freshmen, Omari um, and Camden, come in and make an impact there. You're definitely going to see Landon Kane make an impact maybe out at the X or the big slot, like Noah said. So uh, it's going to be a bunch of different guys kind of contributing, and then 
the cream will rise to the top eventually and we'll kind of see. You know, we look at this, or, or maybe not we, but the, the, it seems like the public looks at this and says, you know, the Auburn basketball season ends and you're like, oh, man, it's year two of Brian Harson, And people are freaking out. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of negativity that I've seen out there from folks putting th- putting their thoughts and opinions about this team where they're at in the spring right now. And I'm just curious, where do you think this coaching staff feels like they're at right now in comparison to where they'd like to be at? Do you think they feel like they're ahead of schedule? Do you think, you know, they feel like they're hitting exactly where they need to be at? Or do you think that maybe they're feeling a little bit of the heat? You know, here's what I'll say about that. I think this is some of the best chemistry this a Brian Harson coaching staff has had since he's been at Auburn. Um, I think they're working really well together. I think they feel really unified and they're working together um, with a common goal. I think they clearly know they still have some work to do with the guys on campus and getting more guys on campus through the transfer portal and whatnot. But they're addressing that. They're bringing in um, – I've heard kind of some rumors that they're going to bring in a guy really to focus on the transfer portal even more than just the guys they have right now. So they're addressing issues. I think they're working well together. Um, Even yesterday I was talking with one of the recruits after he was leaving practice and he said, you know, I I didn't even know if I really wanted to come back to Auburn because I didn't know what it was going to be like. I didn't know if it was going to be toxic. I didn't know how the coaches would get along and whatnot. And he said that they were clearly unified and this was – really eye-opening to him to see them all working together and being really well together and just kind of how they're working together. So I don't know necessarily where they feel. I think they probably feel like they're about on schedule, but they know they have some work to do would be, I guess, the most direct answer there. But I think they feel pretty good. I mean, y'all know me. I'm more optimistic than most, and I don't read into all the negativity about this football program. I hear what you say about them being at practice, and I see guys – that are clearly improving or clearly a lot better. And if there's one area where I trust this coaching staff, it's development. I may not trust them on the recruiting trail because I don't think they've given us enough there for me to be like super confident that they're going to finish top five in the SEC and recruiting on a year-to-year basis. But I do think that they've given us enough tangible evidence, even after one in a year and now going into a second offseason. I think he's given us tangible evidence um, to to believe that these guys can develop players. Well – with this coaching staff, I, I agree with, with what you're saying 100%. It, the vibe is definitely, we're not going to be your best friend, but we know what we're talking about when it comes to football. We're going to make you a better player when you come to Auburn. And I think they can start using that on the recruiting trail itself to say, look, you're going to come here. And there's no doubt that Brian Harson at the helm, it's about, you know, the, with Auburn, work, hard work, right? That's what they believe in. And I truly believe that's what Brian Harson and this coaching staff are about is coming into Auburn, you're going to work, you're going to fight for your position, but you're going to get better at the game. You're going to become a better person for it. And we're going to see what we can do with this thing. I think they can use that on the recruiting trail. But to Christian's point about the coaching staff working well together and at this point molding and, and, and getting along and that type of thing, you know that's a good sign and I think it's because these are finally all of who Brian Harson wanted these are his guys on this coaching staff last year was kind of let's throw some you know let's throw it together see what we can do in year one but I think now that it's been a couple of months now since he's wrapped up all the coaching staff and and hired everybody that he wants they're his coaches his guys the same mentality the same mindset when it comes to being a coach of football no matter what position you're at so it makes sense to hear that, that the coaching staff is now molding together, getting along, doing what they need to do, working well together, because they all have the same mindset is 
let's get better at the game of football. Let's work hard for it. Let's go out here and try to win some games. And so hearing that doesn't surprise me at all. And to Noah's point of, of being optimistic or hearing the negativity about the team, I think it's still, it's still too early. It's spring. We haven't even seen A-Day yet. We haven't even seen the spring A-Day game. So I think there's a long time before the negatives start to creep in. And I was just going to add on to that. Even to that, you can't take a whole lot away from spring because there's still going to be, I mean, probably close to 10 players that come join the team through the transfer portal and then um, the freshmen that will still come in in the summer as well. So this team right now is not even remotely close to what it'll look like once the season starts. And all the guys you talked about at the beginning of this segment that are hurt or out with surgery, recovery, and that type of thing, yeah. a lot of them are not even going to play in the spring or play in the A-Day game. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, look, people might end up panicking a little bit after the A-Day game, but I, I would not panic because of a spring game. A, I would never do that, but B, <laughs> definitely with this year's team, I wouldn't do it. Last year's was horrible. I don't know how it could get any worse. 17-3 to A-Day game. And last year was bad. Let's just be real. Last year was probably the worst A-Day game I have ever seen, or at least one of the most unentertaining A-Day games that I've ever seen. I'm going to really remember it at all. Exactly. I'm just, I'm not going to lie though. I just don't even buy into the A-Day game. And like, you shouldn't. It's, it's yeah, not, exactly. it's, yeah. it's not worth, like it's cool. It's a cool idea. You know, it's general admission. Everybody come in, go to Auburn, watch the game and watch some of the players, but it, it's spring practice. To man. be fair, DJ Ungalele's team did lose their A-Day scrimmage. Just saying, and I I brought that point alive last year when I was talking about Ungalele and how I was not sold prior to the year that he was going to be a Heisman quarterback. I didn't know he was going to turn into what it did turn into, which was a three-loss season for Clemson, but he still cleaned it up by the end. It won 10 games. I think he's that flying under bad. the radar. Yeah, it was bad. I was about to say, they did get 10 wins, though. To be, but they did lose a lot around him, too. Lost receivers, lost running backs, lost offensive linemen. That was full rebuild on offense. That's hard for all that to gel together. Maybe this year he's flying under the radar. Could be. Could be. But at the end of the day, the 8A game, we're talking about practice, right? It's, it's still practice. It's a practice football game in the spring. Half of Auburn's guys aren't even going to be playing. So, yeah, will people flip out about it? Sure, but everybody does with every fan of every spring game because you're like, oh, you know, here we go again. But, I, I mean, there's no reason to worry until the full team steps out on the field in the fall because at that point, once the quarterback battle is settled, once everybody's healthy, once everybody is starting in their role and set, ready to go, that's when we're going to know. And that's when we can either be excited about the season or we can be worried about it. But until then why stress why worry there's nothing to worry about it's 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 not even april yet we can't be worried about football it's still march basketball Who's baseball playing that day i'd rather be at that game and Jeez. i know it's probably not here on campus unfortunately i'm probably sure. not no i think they did align it actually did they really um, that'd be because they specifically tried to do that um because they haven't in you know however many years yeah well what is Wait, so the they're gonna be playing the exact they're gonna be playing at home What's yeah, the I'll go on the baseball game. What day is that? The uh, A-Day game. They're playing Vandy. They're playing Vandy at Ooh. four. Oh, snap. So is the A-Day game at like 11 a.m. or noon and then the baseball game after yeah, it? Yeah, I, they they, like I think they planned it um, specifically so they have the A-Day game and then you can just kind of go head straight over to the baseball nice. game. Nice. They did that because they want a big crowd for the Vanderbilt game. I, they, I think they were going to get a big crowd that. for the Vanderbilt game anyway. Look at baseball fans already in Auburn baseball this season. The big games at home already, they've been selling out nearly. Yeah, they had one game. They had the Sunday or the Saturday game of the Ole Miss series. They've had one game. So a Saturday much. game but against fair, Vanderbilt would probably do the same thing. 
it just I think looking into it from that far in advance, you didn't know how good Auburn was going to be. You might well, have yeah. had a hard time drawing a crowd, so they may have done that as a safety net. But wow. that place is going to be packed out regardless now. People are going to have a reason to go. Exactly. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back, and we'll wrap up hour number one with Christian Clemente. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line. On ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. I accidentally hit my mic off. That was kind of weird. But just a few more minutes before we head to our number two. We have Christian Clemente with us for just a few more minutes. And Christian, I want to ask you your your opinion and your picks about the Final Four coming up this weekend because we will not talk to you before the or we won't talk to you again before the games happen here on the show. You know, tickets are not astronomical. I talked about that yesterday. The tickets are not that bad. It's yesterday, like the lowest price or like I'm considering going to the most epic final four of all time. Now I may they may look like little ants on the floor <laughs> I in talked, the Superdome, yeah, but yesterday, I may go. Yesterday, I know you weren't here, but yesterday near the end of the show, I did talk about or yesterday a lot, I talked about how historical this final four is and how legendary this final four is. And I looked up the tickets on the show yesterday on StubHub for the all-session tickets for both Final Four games and the National Championship. You could get a seat for seven hundred and fifty bucks. Oh, that's a really good deal. Which I was like, I was actually shocked it's because like a little over two hundred a game. Exactly. You are probably see, in the upper deck, though. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. you're in the. You're, that's the cheapest seat you could find. You're upper deck in the in, in the huge, corner, by the way. Yeah, in a big, big arena that they're playing in. But, hey, but you can you still could, be there. You get to watch Braden Manick play. <laughs> in person yeah. if you can see him <laughs> oh you can see that hair from anywhere yeah you could probably see him you may not see the other people but you you'll at least see this floating beard running up and down <laughs> the floor and if you take a picture and zoom in enough you can convince people you were lower you know that's how that works right <laughs> until they see the individual pixels on your on your picture not everybody looks at it that detailed Noah. you don't have to do no that. i'm just saying it's blurry it's going to be blurry at that point Hey, more not more some, zoom not in. some of these new iPhones. Yeah, this That's iPhone. fair. Trevor rolled in with a new iPhone today, and he's got like a set of binoculars attached. It's to got the back seven of it. cameras on the back. <laughs> but, uh, but Christian, I do want to ask you. Parabolic microphone. We yeah. got a spy in here. Oh yeah. I do want to ask you your opinion of the tournament so far and your predictions for the Final Four this weekend. Legendary as it is. Yes, yeah, so the tournament has been a ton of fun. Obviously, of the Cinderella and whatnot. Um, it's just been a really fun tournament to watch. Um, Yes, you have the UNC Duke Final Four, but it's the Final Four as a whole is kind of boring to me. I could not care any less about Kansas Villanova, especially with after Villanova's There's injury. There's so much blue. Yeah, but after <laughs> this is epic. We've never had this. Yeah, after well, after Justin Moore got hurt, I'm not counting on Villanova to do anything. So it's looking like Kansas probably advanced there. So there's my pick there. I'll take Kansas. Um, as for Duke UNC. I don't know, man. I'm really torn on this because UNC did um, get the upper hand that last matchup, but that just means Duke's going to come in even more fired up. Um, but also, I really loved what I've seen out of UNC so far this tournament. Caleb Love is absolutely electric. Um, he has been pretty much all tournament. He dropped 30 against uh, not St. Peter's, but who did they play before that? Why am I drawing a blank here? He dropped 30 at one point this tournament. Y- UCLA. Um, UCLA, yes. yes. Uh, or Baylor, one of the two. Uh, yes, they played Baylor no, no, then it was, UCLA. It was, it was UCLA. And then, yeah, uh, Baycott has been really good. Um, so is Manic. I'm really leaning UNC in that game just because I really liked what I've seen out of them. But I just feel like 
I don't know. It's kind of come to the point. Which would you rather have happen? Let's let's I go would, ahead and be real. People would, are entrenched. Which would you rather have happen? I would rather see UNC win. Really? Because I'm not a big Duke fan. Um, but I feel Join like, the club. I feel like just with all the storylines and whatnot, Duke will probably find a way to win. When Duke and North Carolina play, I said it yesterday, throw everything out. Throw the records, throw the numbers, throw the stats, everything. It doesn't matter. It's going to be a barn burner. Final four. It's legendary this season. Don't let anybody tell you any different. That's the end of hour number one here on the line. Stay around for hour number two. You are on the line live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Big thank you to Christian Clemente. He was in in the studio for hour number one, so big thank you to him. If you've missed any of today's show, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following the show at 4 o'clock. Again, just search on the line wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to call in, give us your opinion about anything going on in the sporting world, we want to hear from you, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Trevor, as he knocks over the phone over there, waiting patiently for your phone, maybe impatiently over there knocking everything in the floor, he's impatiently waiting for your call. So we want to hear from you. Again, the number is 334-321-1390. Let's start hour number two like we always do with Making Headlines. Making headlines. So headline number one, I know it's not major, but it is Auburn basketball news. There's a couple of them. Preston Cook, the grad transfer, is officially in the transfer portal. He is leaving Auburn to go and possibly be a starter, role player somewhere else. But the scholarship has opened up nonetheless. Preston Cook, the Auburn, the Auburn man himself, is in the transfer portal, Noah. As expected, like you said, we expected this scholarship to be open no matter what I thought like Christian Clemente said that he was just going out into the real world that his basketball career was over at least at the collegiate level I should say but he can use his extra year of eligibility that's what he's doing and instead of using that at Auburn he's going to I would assume try and find a place where he's gonna get to play and we saw this on the football front with Auburn with some local Auburn high products we've seen this before it's a great thing I'm glad he got to play and live out a dream for his hometown team and now I hope he goes somewhere gets to play has a good final season gets to live out college basketball one more time and that scholarship like I said already viewed it as open while I was doing my too early depth chart I took out three scholarships from this past year which was Jabari Smith Walker Kessler and Preston Cook now it's seeming that Walker Kessler returning maybe is more of a legitimate 
option than maybe we gave it credit for to begin with that's not to say that my opinion on him returning changes I still think going to the NBA is the better option for Walker Kessler but I'm also not the one making that decision only he knows what's best for him and and his family right knowing what's best for him and and the good lord so I think that it's it's you know obviously his decision and whatnot and um you know I wish the best for everybody involved in here and I mean Jabari is still yet to announce that he's going to the NBA just saying so uh, I mean I would imagine he's going to the NBA but you know you'll you look at it, I would imagine three scholarships are coming open and then you also had the transfer earlier with Devin Cambridge so that was a fourth one so you had four scholarships off of this year's team two guys were leaving uh, two guys are coming in via recruits so then that means you got two other ones to work with here right and that's going to be a um that's going to be you know up to Auburn to figure out how they fulfill that whether it's Yoan Traore or Trior or however it's pronounced whether it's him you know coming in which it seems like he's almost a lock for for Auburn the way that people are talking about him and then what other players may be up here in the transfer portal uh, you kind of got to slow play it a little bit when you're talking about guys like Eric Stevenson like Christian Tech because you just don't know what other options may come available someone better than Eric Stevenson at his same position which is by far Auburn has prioritized the wing as a position of need and, and kind of what does that tell you about how Auburn views that position this year and, and and the output that it provided whether it was Alan Flanagan or Devin Cambridge and and if I say Alan Flanagan returns you still have to you still need minutes there I mean Devin Cambridge would play 20 minutes a game that's a lot of time that's half a basketball game you still need somebody that can come and give you valuable minutes there and uh, there's no reason why you can't attract a player from the mid-major ranks maybe even from a power five location that can give you really quality minutes to help you fill out your depth chart and so that's the kind of the task for Auburn is sifting through all of the shifting sands and to find a player in that sandbox known as the transfer portal to find the hidden treasure because it's out there it's in the sand all the sand shifting and uh, let's see how it falls and see if Auburn can find something in their filter Um, and and I think they will this coaching staff is really good at talent acquisition this coaching staff is really good um, at finding players and talent evaluation so I I expect Auburn to go and get who they want and when they want I'm going to be honest I did not expect Preston Cook to be one of the transfers this offseason I was in the same boat I just thought he was graduating he was done with you know moving on to the next step in his life there's still a couple guys that I think could transfer from Auburn. Not that I don't have any insight. I have no idea what people are doing. If you're speculating, you know which. Exactly. That you know, there's a couple guys that I still think could transfer from Auburn. But Preston Cook was not one of them. But good for him. I hope he goes somewhere, maybe a smaller school to get. Uh, he may get a starting rotation. At least become a guy that can be a role player on a basketball team. But to to the point that I bring up of the scholarship is open nevertheless, right? So where does Auburn go for this? We've talked about it already. There are transfers that Auburn has their eye on. You mentioned two guys coming in on the recruiting trail for Auburn. Walker Kessler still, uh, the the report is 50-50, right? That he is could come but he said that coming back to play for Auburn is very much on the table. Well, we say the scholarship is open, right? And and I want to add to that real quick and, and kind of direct this in the direction that i think you're going we say the scholarship is opening but did minutes open up right and that's minutes did not they open didn't up. and, and that's so the somebody issue. they're like yes we already knew like i said me and you expect this everybody expected this let's just be real like we knew that this was going to be a scholarship that was available but did minutes become available on this team 
And right now, the only minutes that have legitimately come available at this moment are Devin Cambridge's. Um, and they have yet to to fill that void, but I imagine you're gonna you're gonna you know grab another thirty minutes plus per game from Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler each, and that's gonna open up you know Traore to come in and other players and whatnot, and then you still can fill out the roster. But I would imagine you know there are other guys on this roster who aren't playing a whole lot right now that it would make sense if they did transfer, and you wouldn't blame them for it. That's a better way to put it. I like that. The minutes have opened up. But, again, Preston Cook leaving, no offense to him, he just didn't really play. And so the minutes didn't really leave right there. Jabari, I mean, the guy's going to the to the league, right? He's going pro. He's going to be a top three draft pick. You can't turn that down. That's so as right good as now, it gets. So Jalen Williams picks up some minutes, a lot of minutes, actually, because he wasn't playing a ton a lot at the of end minutes. of the year. He picks up a lot of minutes. Um and if Walker Kessler leaves, who picks up the minutes at center? Because I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be Dylan Cardwell. Traore, if um, he comes. Right. If he played the four or the five. And so he'll pick up a lot of minutes. But there's still now, where's the minutes? So, like, Jalen Williams, just because he's adding minutes, all right, well, who's his backup now? There's still minutes there available at the overall power four position when you're breaking down how many total minutes are available. There's still somebody left there. Just because Jalen Williams is getting more doesn't mean that it – necessarily filled the entire void that was opened up by Jabari Smith leaving so there's still another player there that Auburn can go after that once again they've got two scholarships to work with and right now it seems to me that they're looking for a stud to come into the starting lineup at least one stud to come into the starting lineup and then as it stands right now because others haven't transferred it's going to be depth but as others make decisions that may lead to more studs coming into the program like instant impacts like the starting lineup could look very different next year it very well could. i don't think it will in the backcourt i don't think it will between point guard and shooting guard but i mean in the positions three through five it's gonna it look, a look lot different. different and look and it could be there could be some similarity to it because if walker kessler does decide to stay which he has not made an announcement but again the the rumor report whatever is he is still undecided on that i think it's better for him to go to the league just because what what is Walker Kessler going to get out of another year of college that he's not going to get in the NBA? He's going to be developed better in the NBA. That's just also how think it, he's going to make more money in the NBA. Exactly. And people have my, brought up NIL, and I'm like, that was going to be my second point. Like, I don't exactly. know if he's going to get two million dollars no. in, in the in NIL deals. I just I, odds are of a basketball player getting that kind of money. I mean, to put that in perspective, you saw the numbers on the Tennessee quarterback recruit. That I, did. I mean, that that may be a fourth of that, but I still just have a hard time believing that that's going to happen in Auburn with a basketball exactly and that's you know basketball player those were the couple points I was going to make is one Walker Kessler and any player is going to get developed better in the NBA than they are in college and especially a Walker Kessler spot he will develop better from any NBA team than he will in Auburn and he'll make like two million dollars a year exactly and two he's not going to make that kind of money even with an IL and especially in Auburn because do you really want to get drafted higher if you're Walker Kessler because I don't think he's ever really going to be able to get into the lottery that's a long no, jump. No. I mean, that is an astronomical jump for a center. Now, maybe not other positions. Because he's, what, like 25 on it's, the board right now? Yeah, I mean, he's in the mid-20s. But, like, to jump, you know, for, for other positions to jump that far, that is still a lofty jump. That is still a massive increase in draft stock. You turned in from being, like, a good player into an absolute dominant can't-miss guy in college basketball. I mean, let me put this into perspective for you. Kawhi Leonard was drafted outside of the top 10. Okay, like there are some major players, and maybe those are different situations, but I'm just trying to say, like, the ability for Walker Kessler to jump to that range inside the lottery to where he'll actually make substantial, you know, extra cash, 
that would be a that would be just an astronomical increase in play and i would argue that it's even more difficult for a center to achieve that type of jump because draft value for centers is much lower than that of any of the other positions. Maybe I shouldn't say much lower, but I'll say this. Draft value for centers like Walker Kessler are much lower than any of the other players in the draft. Um, in the, in, I mean, th- that's why there are fewer centers on the board. Let's just be real. There are fewer centers on the board every year, and there are even fewer that, that play like Walker Kessler does. And in the NBA, the center position has changed dramatically. Or, or that's what we're getting at. Yeah, yeah the, the center position. Dramatically. Yeah, that. The center position has changed. The, the days of Shaquille O'Neal dominating at the center position are no more. Look who plays center in the NBA. Being tall doesn't mean you're good. doesn't mean you're an effective center in the NBA. And I'm not saying that's Walker Kessler's case, but the centers now, yes, they're tall, they rebound, but they've got to be able to extend. They have to be able to play outside the three-point arc and consistently knock it down. I would argue that athleticism is one of the most important qualities that are looked at in the draft process with any position in the, in the league. Okay, It's about a lot of intangible tools right that is so that is something that dictates the nba draft maybe more than any of the other professional drafts out there is you know what what does this guy's athleticism level look like can he jump out of a gym like you know what's his vertical what's his you know what's his overall ability to move up and down the court how agile is he what's his footwork look like you know is does he have good stamina i'm not saying that walker kessler doesn't possess some of those things uh, on definitely a level that can get him into the nba because that's why he's a first round draft pick 100 percent. but there's a reason why walker kessler's in the 20s and not in lottery range and that's because his athleticism uh, that that level is not that of other centers that we've seen come in recent memory there are intangibles there with walker kessler that can't improve and that's something else that i think's got him locked out of the lottery because there are going to be players next year that come in that can jump out of a gym at the center position or maybe they're a power forward in college and they're six foot ten or something like that and there are some nba teams that wouldn't oppose playing them at center i mean we live in a day and age where it's not uncommon to see a player like kevin durant play the five it's not uncommon and kevin durant is not your prototypical five now i know he's seven feet tall but like he look at his bot look at his frame right that's that's that is not the prototypical blend of center that we've seen in the nba that day is gone like you said and I just think there's some things that Walker Kessler's not going to be able to overcome from playing another year in college. And if anything, there are going to be players two years younger than him that are going to come along that can meet those requirements that NBA teams are looking for. And they have just as much of the same offensive game as he does, except they're two years younger than him. And they, they can develop all of that at a much more rapid pace in the nba well it's just not going to improve his draft stock with another year at auburn that's i mean that just breaks it, it may down go up a little bit if he becomes even more dominant but i don't think it's going to go up enough to justify returning and that's exact. that's what i'm the point i'm trying to get to is it's not him coming back for another year would not benefit him just means he's more. getting drafted to a worse team exactly him coming back would not benefit him more than going to the nba this year i'd would we would auburn fans love to see walker kessler come back and play another year absolutely because he is a threat in college ball that's i mean that that's true he is a great player he can do great things especially for auburn and he's just another threat on the basketball floor but for walker kessler's point of view and for walker kessler's sake going to the nba has got to be the better move, I would think. 
let me frame a local product for people out there. John Collins, okay, from uh, for, he's the Atlanta Hawks power forward, came from Wake Forest. I hope I'm getting that name right. I, I, I'm pretty sure I am. This guy averaged 18 and 11, somewhere around there when he was at Wake Forest, and he went in the 20s, late teens, whenever he went to, to the Hawks. I mean, that's only a few, that's like seven spots better than Walker Kessler. It's like, I don't, and, and that's still not even that much more of an attractive draft location. Walker Kessler would have to do a lot more just to get drafted to a place that someone right now in the NBA is just kind of considered, you know, he's a good player, but he's not considered a great player at his, at his respective position. So I just think that there's a lot, there's a lot larger of a gap to clear for Walker Kessler when you compare him to other players like him that play the game the same way. And it is John Collins, Wake Forest player. He played three years. Okay. He was a junior when he left. This guy left as a first team all ACC player. He was named ACC most improved player in 2017. You look at his career statistics in the NBA right now. Okay. He's, you know, he's been a key, key piece for this Atlanta Hawks team with the way that they like to run the pick and roll that's why I draw this similarity between the two he's averaged 17 and 7 in the NBA uh, 17 and 8 across his career but in college at Wake Forest after playing two seasons he averaged 19 and 9 okay at Wake Forest Walker Kessler wasn't doing that this year and I mean he really actually averaged 19 to 10 he averaged 19 or 19.2 points per game and 9.8 rebounds per game um, I just I just don't see Walker Kessler taking that type of leap and once again you look at where john collins got drafted for the hawks he got drafted in 19th overall yeah that's i mean that's good yeah that's that's what you were trying to do when you have that level of a college game and you go to the nba and it carries over right it carries over but walker kessler i just don't know if he is going to carry over that much into the nba i have an opinion that that walker kessler as good as he is right now I have the feeling that he is probably going to struggle in the NBA. I hope he does, and I hope he goes in and he can be one of those guys that we can say, wow, that guy's you know dominating in the NBA. He used to be at Auburn, right? That'd be cool, but at the end of the day, money talks, and I think that's going to be the situation, not just for Walker Kessler, but for sure Jabari Smith is going to go top three in the draft, which is where the money is when you talk about guys getting drafted in the NBA when their first initial contract is signed. Top three, obviously the lottery too, but the top three is really where the money is. So Jabari will do his thing, but it's still interesting that Walker is at least considering his options, and he, like you said, he is the only one, him and his family know what's best for him, and he's going to do what he needs to do but and we talked to Christian about it in hour number one with the five-star center decommitting from LSU Traore who seems to have a pretty good feeling about Auburn right now him coming in may affect Walker Kessler they may play together they may not who knows it's going to affect it I think a little bit but at the end of the day I think Jabari and Walker are both going to go to the league and I think Auburn will probably pick up that commitment from Traore one more little making headline before we head to the break we talked about it in hour number one, but Jabari and Walker, they win some national awards today. I know there's a lot of them, but this was the coaches' awards, the coaches that voted on these awards. Jabari wins freshman of the year, and Walker Kessler wins your national defensive player of the year. Both guys deserved on both fronts. Obviously, they were the front runners in those positions. Jabari, freshman of the year, and Walker Kessler, your national defensive player of the year, voted on by the coaches. Let's head to a break. We'll come back and uh, continue on the line here on the Tuesday edition.
Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. A few more minutes before we head to the 3.30 break here on the line. The phone lines are open all day today, so make sure you call in if you've got anything on your mind on the sporting world going on in the sporting world we want to hear from you 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 there's a lot of nfl news we'll get to the big one at the other side of the break at 330 so we have some time to actually break it down but there was a qb signing today the saints obviously last week extended Jameis winston the new orleans saints did he will be their starter but it's Mr. Take Your Job, man. Yeah. That's exactly who that is. <laughs> yeah. So Jameis Winston is the starter for the Saints. But the news today is that they signed Andy Dalton as QB2. He will be behind Jameis Winston in New Orleans. Noah. Mr. Take Your Job. Your bro. thought on Andy Dalton going to New Orleans. Makes sense, man. I think you starter quality. I do. I do too. Um, I, some would say that you should start Andy Dalton over Jameis Winston. A lot of people. That's why I said he's Mr. Take Your Job. You know, and it happened in Dallas. I mean, it happened in Andy Dalton. He's a starting quarterback. He is. I wouldn't put him top half of the league, but he's a starting quarterback. He's not going to lose you games. He's not going to win you games either. Um, That's the big issue there. I think Jameis Winston's in the same boat, though. I don't know if I would go so far as to say that um, I would start Andy Dalton right away over Jameis Winston, but I do think this is sending a message to Jameis Winston that it's. You better put up or you're going to be on the bench. Well, here's my thing. It's like when you look at these two guys, neither one of them is going to win you a Super Bowl. Let's just be real. Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton, I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think either one of these quarterbacks, no matter where they are, will win you a Super Bowl. So is this something that the Saints are doing to just get by for a few years, draft some other players, and then wait for a good quarterback class? Because let's be honest, the quarterback class in this NFL draft is not – as hype as hyped up as it's been in the last few years do you think this is maybe a move from the saints to just get them through the next three four five years until they find that quarterback that they want to draft as their their franchise qb okay well let's be real there are there are very few quarterbacks i think in the nfl that are super bowl quality quarterbacks like we need to determine that because i think people blow that way out of the proportion neither one of these guys is the top half of the league quarterback fair but let's let's go and look at Super Bowl winners real quick I do want to address that real quick and let's look at like what quarterbacks have won the Super Bowl in in recent memory right and there or what quarterbacks have made it to the Super Bowl is fair to break down because I do think that's something that is blown out of proportion as who but played again quarterback for neither some one of these teams. guys is going to take you to a Super Bowl you don't know that that's what I'm trying to get at I don't, I don't think you know that for sure I mean, I would feel pretty confident. Are these guys? Is it the quarterback's fault that's that they're not going to the Super Bowl, or is it the roster's fault that they're not going to the Super Bowl? Because I mean, if they it's a had a bit better, of both, it could be a little bit of both. But I'm just saying, let's let's look at all of the recent Super Bowl winners, okay? And Greg, Trevor, you're gonna you're gonna have some quarterbacks in there that are that were really good and definitely are Super Bowl quality quarterbacks, which is why this narrative is true. But you're also gonna have some quarterbacks in there that have won Super Bowls, where it's like you would not have called them Super Bowl quality and they still did it. Nick Foles, Joe Flacco. I don't think that you should say. I don't think you can say based on Joe Burrow's numbers in the regular season and a ten and seven year that he's a Super Bowl quality quarterback people didn't think that about Matthew Stafford before he went to LA what changed for Matthew Stafford he got a roster Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl I like with Jared the same Goff. roster guys or <laughs> about the same caliber of a roster right Matthew Lost Stafford it. was always good in Detroit he, he never was had good exactly but that's what I'm getting at man it's the roster but you could still say that Matthew Stafford could take somebody to a Super Bowl because obviously he did it 
But put Jameis Winston on any other – put Jameis Winston on the Rams. You think he's taking them to a Super Bowl? I think that it's still possible they make it to the Super Bowl. Interesting. He went 6-2 and two with the Saints last year. Yeah. He went 6-2. and two, I'm just yeah. saying. And, and, look, I'm not trying to make people think that I'm some big, you know, Jameis guy, but I, look, let's look at the last couple of Super Bowl winners. I mean, you got Matthew Stafford against Joe Burrow. You had a second-year quarterback playing in a Super Bowl. And you had – also, yes, let's go back to the original with Tom Brady. Okay, look at all the work Tom Brady did at the beginning of his career. And, look, Tom Brady was not the Tom Brady that he became at that time. And he still made it all of those times. I mean, the fact that we have seen on multiple occasions – young quarterbacks like a Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow, I think you could argue, Joe Joe Burrow this past year was better than Tom Brady when he went to the Super Bowl. Now, will his career finish that way? That's not guaranteed. Um, and you go back, Tom Brady and then Patrick Mahomes. That's a star-studded quarterback competition, right, in that Super Bowl. That I understand. Then it's Pat Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo went to a Super Bowl, and that was an 11-point game. He got him there. He got him there. You got Tom Brady against Jared Goff. You got Nick Foles against Tom Brady, and Nick Foles won. You've got Tom Brady against Matt Ryan. You got Cam against decrepit Peyton Manning. Okay. <laughs> All of those guys are better than these two we're talking about right now. And these guys are not young in their careers. These guys have been in the league for seven or eight years. They're not getting any better. These guys are not getting any better. Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton, they're the quarterbacks at the Saints. They're not getting any better. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, Joe Flacco and Colin Kaepernick in a Super Bowl. I think Joe Flacco. No, that was Jim Harbaugh. I was thinking I got confused with the Ravens. Jim Harbaugh got extended today by the Ravens. Just FYI, I saw that. But, um, no, these guys are not getting any better. Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton are only going to get worse. They're not going to get any better, and they are not. Super I don't Bowl disagree with that, but I'm just trying to say let's don't put it all on the quarterbacks. As, so the, the heart of your question, going back to your question, the reason why I wanted to go in that direction, and I think I made my point, I, I, I'm not discrediting the value of the quarterback position in the NFL. It's definitely necessary to be successful and to have a shot at winning the Super Bowl. Okay, It definitely helps your cause a lot when you have a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning in his prime or a Drew Brees. Okay, But the Saints had Drew Brees all these years and only won one Super Bowl. Your guy, Aaron Rodgers, has won one Super Bowl. A lot of help that's done for the Packers. And yeah. you wish he had a better roster all the way through and through to be able to win more Super Bowls. And you know that's the truth, okay? There's very few quarterbacks that can win without a roster. Very few. I wouldn't be shocked if Pat Mahomes doesn't make it back to the Super Bowl. I mean, he didn't even make it to the Super Bowl this year. You know, I mean, just I just think it's overblown to that point. And so going back to your question, there are very few quarterbacks in the league that are elite. Very few quarterbacks in the league that you would say, wow, that guy makes everybody around on his team better and can overcome serious roster limitations and still take his team to the Super Bowl. And I think there are only two quarterbacks probably in the NFL that have proven that. And that would be Tom Brady, once-in-a-lifetime quarterback, and Patrick Mahomes to a degree, but we still don't know that for sure because he's always had a great roster since he's been in Kansas City, right? And so my whole argument here is, going back to your question, is I think that's a little overblown. There's very few quarterbacks in the league that are that, that are actually capable of doing that, and also those quarterbacks are completely unavailable. And so the idea of everybody's trying to compete for Super Bowls, 100%, I just don't think that the Saints – even I don't, I don't even know if that's crossed their mind into this. I just think they're trying to win games. But my original question was, is this a move by the Saints to have Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton as their quarterbacks? Is this just to get them through until they find the guy that they want to draft to make their franchise? Because these guys are not franchise quarterbacks. They're not. Jameis I like that better. 
I like saying that they're not franchise because I think you could be a franchise quarterback and not be a and not be what you said a, a Super Bowl and that's fine caliber but, quarterback. So you do know? you think that's maybe what the Saints are doing, just buying themselves some time? Because again, these guys are not going to win you a Super Bowl in New Orleans. They're not going to do it. They're not going to win you a Super Bowl anywhere else either. I think they're just trying to win games, and then hopefully one day to somebody some like that will come back. Exactly, will come around. That was my long roundabout answer to sort of agree. That's the point we were trying to make. Let's take a break. We'll be back. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. 30 more minutes in hour number two before we get out of here at four o'clock if you've missed any of our show today just search on the line wherever you get your podcast it'll be uploaded immediately following the show at four o'clock the phone lines are open 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 we want to hear from you know what we talked about some nfl news the big nfl news today and i previewed it at the end of the show yesterday is the NFL overtime rule has been changed in the playoffs. Not not in the regular season, but it has been changed in the playoffs. We'll get into that in just a second. But we're going to head to the phone lines now. 334-321-1390. Terry on line one. Welcome in. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? We're doing great, Terry. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Guys, Jameis Winston and, uh, and um, Dalton are what I call bridge quarterbacks. They're bridge quarterbacks till they got they got their eye on maybe a guy this year who can fall to them or a guy that's a sophomore or junior in college right now or a freshman or sophomore. So I'll say this: look, you and you and Jacob were kind of making a similar point, and I don't inherently disagree with you with your guys' point. I'm just saying 99% or maybe not maybe not as high as 99%, but the vast overwhelming majority of teams in the NFL are in a position where they are literally just waiting to find a superstar quarterback. I mean, I every, everybody wishes they had one, but they don't necessarily. But but the odds of them finding one are very slim. We know how few elite quarterbacks there are out there, and they're they're not available. They're locked down by their organizations, and so everybody's trying to find one. But so I don't know if I'd go so as far so so far as to say bridge quarterback for the Saints. I just think they're trying to win games, and they mapped out their options. And Jameis Winston's the best available option right now for them to be able to win games. I, I I disagree. No, I think they are bridge quarterbacks. Cause I think their dream situation is the Ole Miss quarterback falls to them in the draft. I don't know. I, I don't know if he will or not. But where's he? Where's he projected? Where do they draft pick, pick at in the first round? Uh, well, the Saints are going to be somewhere in the middle of the first round, just based off of what they did this past year. So he could be available. He could be. I think, I think so. That's their dream. I really do. That's bewildering to me because, uh, and once again, that's another example, I think, of teams just taking a shot, hoping to find that next big thing for them or their next franchise quarterback because this draft class is exceptionally weak. And I don't know if Matt Corral's shown us a whole lot at Ole Miss that makes me believe that he's going to become the next Archie Manning, you know, that because I know that's kind of where you're getting at with that. Uh, I, I just don't know if I, I vibe with, with that thought process. I, I think this is an incredibly bad quarterback draft class, and I well, think there's going to be a lot of teams. Doing. I, no doubt in my mind that's what they're doing, because as you said, Noah, they're not going to win with Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton. Their window is closed. I'm not sure it was ever open. Yeah, look, I, I think it is overblown, the term Super Bowl-quality quarterback, because we've seen Trent Dilfer win a Super Bowl. We've seen Jared Goff make one, Jimmy Garoppolo, 
Colin Kaepernick and Joe Flacco made it to the same Super Bowl. I mean, we've seen guys make the Super Bowl that like most people before they made the Super Bowl or won their first Super Bowl ever would not have deemed Super Bowl quality quarterbacks. And then we've seen supposedly a quarterback that people think is an all-time great, potentially maybe maybe the best quarterback to have ever played the game, not the greatest but the best, and Aaron Rodgers, and he can't even get out of the first round by scoring more than three points on his own team, right, in his own field. And so that's why I think it's a little overblown, and I think the net is wider than people would think of teams that of quarterbacks that are capable of winning Super Bowls I think it's more about you need to have a complete roster top to bottom because even the best quarterbacks that we've seen in our lifetime or or just since the beginning of the Super Bowl era there are guys out there Dan Marino didn't even get to a Super Bowl man I mean he couldn't even win a Super Bowl he just didn't win one yeah that's right but with to Terry's point the Saints are going to win games with Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton they're not going to win at a high level they're not going to win a Super Bowl I can i I feel confident in saying that. It may not be true. You know, they may go win one, but they will win some games with these guys because they're not horrible quarterbacks. These guys still have some skill. They still have some left in the tank because they have been in the league. They still went six and two. Exactly. They're going to win games with these guys, but not at the highest level. And I'll tell you something, Norton has her eyes on. Once Tom Brady finally does go, that's a very mediocre division. Yes. And and, and honestly, the Saints are a playoff team because of it. Terry, we appreciate the call, my man. You got anything else? No, I just uh, they could be waiting on Zach Galzada though. <laughs> yeah, <Take> care, guys. <laughs> appreciate it, Terry. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I, we're all kind of saying the same thing. I'm just being a little bit more emphatic when I say that I think the net's a little bit wider than people would get it, give it credit for, and I think too many teams waste the opportunity to win football games, waste the opportunity to maybe get into the picture because they throw everything and eggs in their basket to find like a guy like the superstar caliber quarterback out there when they could get into the mix with a pretty good quarterback and a great roster. And we've seen that a lot in the last decade. And that just depends on where your focus is. I mean, that de- it really does because every team, we talked about it, every team is not worried about winning the Super Bowl in the NFL. There's 32 teams, and there are some that are not worried about winning the Super Bowl. Let's just be honest. And that may not be on the Saints' radar right now. I know that sounds a little crazy to say, but – you have to look at your roster. you got to look at everything. And signing Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton, yeah, maybe your best move. You're going to win football games. You're not going to win a Super Bowl, but you are going to win football games to, you know, kick the can down the road, if you will, until that time comes. Because every team does want to find that guy at quarterback because that's what it takes nine times out of ten is that guy at the helm to win it all. And when that time comes, then you pounce on it. But if you're the Saints, that guy wasn't available. This quarterback class isn't it. This is not the quarterback class to go after that. So, yeah, signing these two guys, you're going to win football games, just not winning the Super Bowl. I think, would be I, my opinion. Yeah, I think that's fine. Uh, the only thing that I've said, in the, I've said this in the past about drafting quarterbacks, you know, number one overall and like te- team's draft approach to this. How and, often does that work out, right? Well, you know, this is this is the saying that I've always used. And people disagree with me on this, and that's fine. Like, I get there are different ways to think. And honestly, like, the take is going – most people would say, if you think there's a transcendent quarterback in the top five, go and take him, right? That That's the thought – regardless of what you have around them, go and take him, right? But I think Joe Burrow is a good example of this because uh, he did get hurt after his first year. And we've seen this with several players in their careers actually be ruined. Um, more times than not, I think we see a guy get ruined. But this is the saying that I've always said. Would you – feel comfortable driving like would you feel comfortable with your child in the backseat of a car a a young child right your future in the backseat of a car with no booster seat or, or you know child seat right no seat belt no airbags 
no nothing like no protections in your car like would you feel bad like would you feel okay with that whatsoever Um, i would hope not no (laughs) exactly i would hope not why do nfl teams feel secure with drafting a quarterback that they that is the future of their franchise with no offensive line help no receivers no running backs clearly nothing there and you can look at countless examples over the last five years of guys who have just had their careers ripped to shreds ruined because there was no prior quarterbacks are drafted way too high in my mind Way, drafted way too high without the proper precautions in place because you've got NFL teams putting their future into a car with no safety precautions. Borderline with no brakes. Let's just be real. Okay? I and, agree, man. And look at all the countless times guys get hurt because they can't be blocked. Joe Burrow, Zach Wilson, Sam Darnold. You look up and down, man. The One of the greatest quarterback classes of all time, the best QBs that came out of it was Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Lamar got hurt. Just and, saying. Yeah. And Josh Allen ha- has been good, but I, I, even the top quarterbacks off that board ended up being bad. Okay, so I don't think Baker's been bad, but I, I don't think that he's reached number one. What you draft at number one, and why is that? Because guess what? There have been times that it, it, during his stretch at Cleveland where a lot of injuries have occurred, and it's out of the Browns' a, control. A lot of injuries. <laughs> but let's be real. The Browns drafted Baker before they had all of those players anyway. You know and I, mean? I agree. That's not smart. I 100% why agree. why the Browns went through like 20 quarterbacks before they got to Baker. I Mayfield. 100% agree with you, my friend. Let's, I do want to get to the overtime rule change because this is important. I, I talked about it at the end of the show yesterday. I know you were not here, but I did talk about it at the end of the show yesterday how three or four NFL teams had come to the league. They had come to the NFL office and they said, we need an overtime rule change because of how Kansas City and Buffalo ended in the playoffs this past season. And that, that's not the only example. It's happened quite a few times. But teams came to the NFL and they said, look, both teams have got to be able to touch the football in overtime. Like that has to happen, right? And so they did. And the NFL said, yeah, sure, kind of. They said kind of. They changed the rule today. The NFL, they have, they voted on it. They adopted a new rule. Both teams will possess the ball in overtime in the playoffs. If it's a playoff game, both teams will get a chance to possess the football. It'll basically be broken down. It'll be an extra quarter of football. Both teams will have a chance. You'll still have your coin toss. Whoever wins can kick or receive like normal. If both teams score, either a field goal or a touchdown, if it's still tied after both teams have possession, then it's first score wins. So then back to the original overtime rules. But the league changed it. Again, in the playoffs, in overtime, both teams will have a chance to possess the football. I think it's a great move. I would like to see them change it for the regular season as well because once you get to overtime, you're punishing one team over the other. You're putting it on a coin flip. And I understand play defense, you know, quote unquote, just stop them, whatever. But what about winning regulation? Could be, but <laughs> at the same time, to win the thing in regulation. But you're crediting I'm just a team. Advocate. Yeah, I I understand, but you're you're discrediting a team for taking for going to overtime in the NFL. It's pro football, like it's hard, you know. So I like the rule change. I would like to see them make the rule change for the regular season as well. Maybe it's coming, but they did make the change today. Both teams do get the chance to possess the football in overtime in the NFL. Your thoughts? My thoughts are that the NFL and college football are so far removed from actually understanding what's going on and what people want to watch that it's mind-boggling for me. I think college basketball is in the same realm, too, with some of the rules. What do you mean by that? People, why, can't, why just the playoffs? If people, like, this is clearly something that people want. 
This is clearly something that a large majority of, of fans out there want, that organizations want. People aren't going to be opposed to it. It, it. it will benefit you. If you're asking the question, well, how about you play defense? Well, I'll throw that right back at you, bro. How about you play defense after you score? You know, I and I also think that NFL overtime is dumb to begin with. I'm not a fan of that either. College, um, college is bad too. What they did to college was bad. I yeah, think it, used to be it was not a problem. There was not a problem that needed to be fixed with college overtime. The problem they were trying to fix was games going too long. You know how you do that? Take out some of the commercials. You know what they ain't going to do? Take out some of the commercials. Well, also, how many times did we actually get Texas A&M LSU overtime? Exactly. In the moments that we did get that, we loved every second of it. It's awesome. Fans loved it. You know what we hate? Two-point conversion shootout. That was not good. That was horrible. That was not fun. Not okay? just because Auburn lost. That's bad no matter what. But th- this is just an example of, like, why couldn't we just do this in the regular season? If you're going to make this change, like, you, I don't understand the thought process. Like, oh, well, we just want to do this in the playoffs because they made the playoffs. What if this was in the regular – what if this happened to we someone in the regular team. season and it jeopardized them making the playoffs? All of a sudden, that game doesn't matter anymore? I thought your regular season mattered, right? And then the other rules that I'm talking about, targeting in college football. You've heard about the targeting rule change that they discussed, right? I'm like, people clamored, borderline protested for this all football season long that they hated how the targeting rule was being called and kids getting ejected. And everybody's number one issue with targeting in college football was that guys were getting ejected out of football games. That's all we wanted changed was that guys didn't get thrown out. And what did they do? They just allowed you to get like an appeal process to where they don't have to sit out the next game. We, uh, no, fix the issue by not throwing them out altogether. That's not what we asked for. That's not what we want. That's not what these teams want. That's not what the players want. It, it's mind-boggling to me how how removed they are from like what people actually perceive like it would be good for the game. It, it's it's mind-boggling. Well, it, it just really comes is. off. It comes off as they just don't care. And that's, I mean, that's that's what it looks like when they do stuff like that. Or they're just overanalyzing or, or or just overthinking it. Like, quit that could overthinking be it. Quit breaking it down too far. Like, no. Legitimately, like, targeting is, a, is an example of a problem being policed that is no longer a problem anymore. Okay? I've said before, it's like putting someone in jail for going one limit, one, uh, one mile per hour of the speed limit. I mean, it's it's creating an extra issue that do, that doesn't need to be there, that doesn't justify its existence. So I'm not a fan of that. And then with this and overtime, it's like, no, just fix the rule altogether, man. Nobody's going to care that it's like, why did you stop short of the regular season? Like, what? How does that even make sense? It's short, any, yeah. uh, short, you know, to stop short of the regular season. That doesn't make any sense. I think the NFL's broken on a lot of issues regarding targeting. They don't call it that, you know, but because they don't throw guys out in the league, they just slap you with a. $50,000 fine, you know, or however much it is. I mean, they hit you with massive fines, which obviously that, I mean, that's a lot of their, some of those guys' paychecks. So the wrong guy gets a targeting call. Uh oh. Um, yeah. But, I mean, that's just the truth. No, but, I, I agree. It should have been, it should have been changed altogether. But I am thankful that they did change it for the playoffs because one of the greatest games that's ever been played, Kansas City and Buffalo, in the playoffs this past season got ruined by this. Ruined because one team didn't get a chance to show their skill and show their, their offensive firepower. Because why? They lost a coin toss. And here's a stat. There was an ESPN article put out today about it, and I like this stat. It's from it's the article on ESPN about this rule change being being made, so you can go find it on, on the website. But it says, since the previous playoff format was implemented in 2010, seven of 12 overtime games in the playoffs have been won on the opening possession. So of the 12 overtime games, seven of them in the playoffs have been won on the opening possession. Ten of those 12 games were won by the team that won the coin toss. 
Think about that for a second. So 12 since 2010 when they put the new playoff format in in overtime. No, I mean, it's statistically there is a correlation there. Literally. Not 12, causation, but correlation. 100%. Exactly. There is a difference. But 12, the 12 overtime games that have gone to overtime in the playoffs since 2010, 10 of the teams won the coin toss. They won the game. And that's, that's literally what it's been put down to. And, I, and I'm okay with the rule change on this, on this stance, but this just continues to remind me how far away football – uh, basketball I think has tried to do some good things okay so I'm not as much in the boat on basketball but I will say this for football NFL and college has gone so far away from what we all loved watching years ago it's it is not it's not recognizable you watch football now versus football 10 years ago borderline unrecognizable in some respects definitely 15 years ago and and in some ways back then things did need to be improved things did need to be fixed things did need to have you know there were issues that needed to have attention drawn to it and that they could have fixed but our culture has created a society where it feels like we have to go and fix things that we ha- that we feel like we have to go and do, you know micromanage every little aspect that we feel like we have to go and do all these things and then you end up over time doing so much for you know out of self-righteousness almost you end up trying to do so much that it, that you end up taking it too far. And I think that's happened in football. And this is just a reminder of that to me. In itself, this is a good thing. I'm pointing at it right now like you don't know what we're talking about. In itself, this is a good thing, but it's still not like where it needs to be. And, and I also think that you know the, the fact that the game itself and other rules that I was talking about earlier, now the NFL calls their own version of targeting and, and how quarterbacks are treated and, and how various you know defenseless players are treated. I just think the game has gone so far away from what from the issue that we are actually trying to fix. We actually we took it too far. I, I think I think one maybe not we, but they took it too far. <laughs> no, you make good points. You really do, and I agree. Football has definitely changed and not for the good as of the last ten or twelve years. Let's take a break and let's wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. If you've missed any of today's show, just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following the show. Make sure you stay tuned right here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama from 4 to 6. It's The Drive with Dan Peck and Bill Cameron, so make sure you stay tuned for that. We have just a few more minutes before we get out of here. And Noah, as the host of this wonderful show, you have some news for everybody. I'm going to let you take the floor. It's all yours, my friend. That's right. Um, as Jacob alluding to, I've taken another uh, job opportunity uh, here in the Auburn Opelika area. I'm going to be a teacher, um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to to that opportunity and to, to the wonderful challenges that that are going to come my way and the the excitement of being able to impact and serve the youth and, and, and to be able to serve God and impacting the youth and to, and to be able to help them grow and reach their full potential and to you know see the excitement that that the youth do uh, exhibit when they you know when they do get excited when they do achieve their goals and um, so my last day here actually is going to be on Thursday that is my last show here at Auburn Network and it's been a wonderful ride um, to be here at Auburn Network and to launch on the line over a year ago back in 2020, uh, January 4th, 2020. 
Um, it's been an absolute blast, and I just want to say thank you to everybody that's contributed to the show. Um, obviously, on the line, still continuing on. Jacob Goins will be running it from that point, and I have every faith that Jacob's going to be able to do a good job with it. Um, but I do want to say thank you to everybody that has, um, you know, all the people that have contributed to it, guests, um, as well as the hosts that have been with me throughout this time, starting it with Levi Fitzwater uh, and then continuing on with Lance and Jacob. I mean, these are three of um, – you know, three wonderful friends and and uh, just very blessed to have each and every one of them in my lives. And then, you know, you talk about all the callers that have called into the show. Um, just extremely blessed for all the people that have listened um, to people that I've met through doing this and, and, and all of the many um, just well wishes and, and, and thank yous and, and, you know, congratulations and just all, all, all the times that I've been able to interact with people. The, the listeners truly do make this a, a wonderful experience and uh, I've, I've tried to bring every day, you know, a very measured approach and, and have always tried to bring people, you know, my true opinions on the matter and, you know, a balanced approach, not not always telling everybody the, the things that they want to hear with Auburn, you know, but always tried to tell them the, what I truly thought about it and tried to be fair and balanced and objective. Um, and I'm just I'm so thankful to the to the good Lord um, for, for the opportunity that I've had to be on air and to be able to share his message to the times that I've been able to talk about that and. Um, I'm just so blessed to, to have been here um, and to have done this show for, for, for this long. I, I know I'm kind of rambling right now. It's an emotional moment because I love doing radio and this is all I've known, but I'm also extremely excited to, um, to take this next step in my life to go and be a teacher. I'm, I'm just extremely blessed. I'm, I'm extremely blessed, and um, I just thank God for every moment of it. Well, there's no doubt that we are extremely thankful and blessed for your time here. Obviously, the creation of the show I am extremely excited to take it over from you. I'm sad you're leaving, obviously, but I'm very excited to be able to continue this show. Obviously, everybody calling in. For you, you started this thing, man. This is your thing, so you're always welcome back. Whenever you want to come in the studio, on the phone, it's always, I mean, this is your home. You know that. So the good news is we still got you for two more days, my friend. You're still here tomorrow and Thursday. So that's going to do it for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Tune in for Wednesday and Thursday, Noah's last couple days here on the line. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow.